Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I'm teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. This is my friend Preston. We met. I was preaching a revival in Northwest Arkansas. And Preston came. We got to meet and uh, talk. I got to see his heart. Um, and I knew whenever I was talking to him that I wanted him to come and share with you guys. Um, he's an author, which means he's way smarter than I am. Um, and uh, he's got a pretty cool first name. Everybody make welcome my friend, Mr. Preston Good morning. How many of you are here this morning? Yeah, some of you are. Okay, good deal. Let me let me get hooked up here. It is good to get to be with you this morning. My wife Kelly and I started our ministry uh, just about a year and a half ago. We went full time. We uh, quit our jobs and went full time in ministry, and so it is a privilege for us to get to be here today. Um, Let me tell you about our ministry. It's Sufficient Word Publishing. What we do is we produce books and materials that you can use every day for sharing your faith and for growing in your faith. And what I like about our books is they're real small. They're short. Uh, Because, you know, I was educated in Oklahoma, so I need everything to be real simple, right? Uh, So we have a simple way to help you share your faith, and I think y'all are going to be studying by which we are saved, one of our books on Sunday nights. Uh, coming up starting this month. Uh, let me tell you, our, our website, Sufficient Word Publishing. Check us out on the web. If you want to, write it down. Go check us out later. Our website is, go ahead and write it down if you want to, www.666. No, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. No, I don't know what's there. No, don't go there, all right? No, no. It's uh, sufficientwordpublishing.com. We wanted the longest website address we could come up with, sufficientwordpublishing.com. Go there and check us out. You can see our materials now. Uh, I've got our books here. You can get books from us here, but they're also available on Amazon. You can't buy them from our website, but you can go to Amazon or any bookstore. Uh, You can order them from there. Also, if you can, we're not famous or anything. If you can go give us a like on Facebook, we'd sure appreciate that. Uh, facebook.com backslash sufficient word we also post regular bible studies on there and uh, they're usually real short sometimes we'll just post a single verse uh, so check us out on there you can get in touch with us there too if we can over help you answer questions okay let me tell you about our books by the way too um, our books our first one is by which we are saved this is the one y'all will be looking at on sunday nights it is a handbook to help you share your faith uh, yeah, I, I can't get the clicker to work. So Did you turn it on? Yeah, it's on. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we got you. this is a handbook to help you share your faith. How many of you have had these fears about witnessing? You say, I don't witness like I'd like to because I don't know what to say. Who you have that fear? Okay, how about this one? I'm afraid to offend. I've had that one. Or I'm afraid I can't answer questions or objections. We solve all three of those in one simple book. The reason we call it a handbook is in the back, there's an index of the objections. So you're witnessing that person has a question, you just take them to that page, and you show them the answer to that question, and there's some Bible verses written for you in the book. And we have the unbelievers version of by which we are saying called, I have some good news. So you witness that person has a question, here's a, handbook to, here's a book to hand to them. Uh, one of uh, our other books is Bearing Fruit or Living Barren. 
this is a book helping you understand what it means when the Bible says about the believer being spiritual, about walking in the Spirit, what the fruit of the Spirit is, and what it's not. And my favorite one is our children's book on the gospel. We've taken actual photos of my wife's childhood and put them in a children's storybook of a grandfather explaining the gospel to his granddaughter. It's a simple, accurate way to, for everyone to understand the gospel, but especially for children. And also, if you come by and see me at the table, I'm going to give you a free copy of our gospel track. Okay? You know, uh, it's no mistake uh, what's happening. I was just thinking about this. David, when you're up here talking, do you know that in the last 10 years with Southern Baptist churches that our number of baptisms has gone down 100,000? Let me say that again. In the last 10 years, as Southern Baptist, now I'm saying Southern Baptist because we are Southern Baptist, but it's also the largest Christian denomination in the world. Okay, We've seen a decline in baptisms by 100,000. But you know what's been rising is things like these shootings. You know, there's a direct relation there. If we're not out sharing our faith, what's happening to the culture? It's declining. Right? Now, let me explain something about baptisms. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Okay? When I say there's a decline in baptisms, that Southern Baptist. Baptism is only something for a new believer. We believe in believer's baptism, right? You accept that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. We baptize you publicly as just kind of a proclamation of that. Okay? For it's a, and we track those numbers because we keep track of new believers. How many new believers we win every year? That's all that baptism means. So the significance is we're seeing a decline of 100,000 new believers over the last 10 years. Okay? So it's no mistake that the culture is going to be sliding down with that. If the largest Bible-believing denomination in the world is not winning people to faith in Christ, the culture is going to reflect that. And that's what we're seeing. Right? And so it's our heart, it's my heart, that believers... Be confident in sharing your faith. I'm convinced a lot of believers want to share their faith. They don't because they're not confident in doing that. And so we want to help you be that way. And let me show you the first thing. Look over in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 is the passage we're going to look at today. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. This is the passage right here, folks. This is the only place in the Bible where the Gospel is fully stated. Where it's completely stated in one passage. You've got all kinds of Bible verses about different aspects of this right here. But this is the only place where the Gospel is fully stated. So it's my conviction that as a believer, you know this well. And if you want to be confident in sharing your faith, this is what you have to know well right here. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Turn there in your Bible with me if you will. And follow along with me. Before we get into that, let's let's pray together and then we'll look at this passage. Father, we're grateful to you for your love, your kindness, your mercy. And we do ask God your mercy for our country. We pray, God, that we don't get what we deserve. We pray instead for your grace that you give us what we don't deserve as a nation. And we know, Lord, that 
as the culture declines, it's because a lot of times we're not sharing our faith. And so I pray, Lord, that we would grow in our understanding of what you say here. And for some, this will be the first time they understand what you've done and, and what it takes to be saved and what, what you say it takes to be saved. And so, God, I pray you'd enlighten the believer. And Holy Spirit, we pray you'd convict the unbeliever today. We thank you for your word, God, that you show us everything in your word about who you are, who we are, what the next life will be like, how to be saved, how to be forgiven. We thank you. You've shown that very clearly. You've said what you mean and you mean what you say. And we can trust you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Look what Paul says here. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Why do I say this is the passage that tells you what the gospel is? Right there. He tells us right from the start. I declare unto you the gospel. If you write in your Bible, I'd underline that. The gospel, which I preached unto you. This is the gospel that the apostles preached, which you have received. We'll come back to that in just a second. And wherein you stand. Verse 2 by which you are saved. Let me emphasize that. By which you are saved. If you write in the Bible, I would underline that. The Gospel is a saving message. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Here it is. Here's the Gospel message right here. And if you want to present the gospel in the simplest form, you want to boil it down to its simplest form, all you have to remember is part of verse 3 and verse 4. Look what he says. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message right there, folks. That Jesus died for our sins, He was buried, and on the third day He rose from the dead according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's what everyone has to believe to be saved. If someone wants to be saved, that's what God says you must believe to be saved. Look over at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul gives us even more information on this gospel message. Over at Romans 1, 16, here's what he says. Romans 1, 16, I'm sure you've seen this verse before. He says, for I am not ashamed. And let me stop here for a minute. A lot of people put a lot of emphasis when they recite this verse on not being embarrassed. That word means more than that. Here's how I take this. Don't be shamed into silence. You know, one of, the biggest, one of the biggest things the enemy does today is shame Christians into not sharing your faith. Let me illustrate. Is it popular in our culture today to believe that there's only one way of salvation? What do people... What do people you know what I've been called for believing that? I've been called this in public. I've been called this to my face from people. That I am bigoted, that I'm mean-spirited, that I hate people, right? I've, that's, I've been called all those things because I believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Now, let me, let, me, let me say something here. He's the one that said it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes out of the Father except by me. So I tell people, don't be mad at me. I'm just quoting Him. I believe Him. He's the one who said it. He's the one who claimed it. I think it's. I believe it's true. But that is. But don't. I've learned. I don't need to be shamed into silence for believing that. 
I still need to share my faith. It doesn't matter what the culture says. That does not mean I get in their faith and I say ugly things about their mom. That's not. That's a totally different thing. But I don't not share my faith because I'm afraid the culture is going to reject what I say. Okay? Don't be shamed in the silence. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When he says it, what's he referring to? The gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice a couple of things here. One, he gives us the title of this gospel message. It is so important that God gave this message a particular title. It's called the gospel of Christ. And notice something about the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation by simply believing it. What is that message? That Jesus died for our sins, He was buried, and on the third day He rose from the dead according to the Scriptures. Isn't it amazing? Stop and think about this. Isn't it amazing that God is so powerful that He could have done something 2,000 years ago, His death, burial, and resurrection, and say, you know what? That happened 2,000 years ago. All you need to do is believe what I've written here about that, accept that, and you will have the power of God unto salvation. Is that not amazing? Simply believing that. And God says, He'll give you the forgiveness of sin. <coughs> amazing. Now, I was speaking at a children's camp a few weeks ago, and I said, now, doesn't that seem like too good to be true? And one kid, yeah, that seems too good to be true, doesn't it? That all you have to do is believe that, and God will save you. But it's true, isn't it? The Bible tells us that right here. Anyone who believes that will be saved. Everyone who believes it. You know, a lot of people say, I'm beyond the forgiveness of God. I've done too many bad things. No, you're not. There is nobody, listen to me, there is nobody beyond God's forgiveness. That includes you. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Wow. That is so good. And you know what? Salvation is not just for a select few. It's for anybody who will believe. Anybody. And everyone who believes it has the power of God of the salvation. Notice he emphasizes that here, but it's open to everyone when he says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means to the Jew and to the non-Jew. That's everybody. Anyone who will believe that message will be saved. Look at verse 1 back over in 1 Corinthians 15. And notice what he says here. He says the gospel, that means good news. It's a message. It's a message to be believed. But he says, this is the gospel I preached unto you, which also you have received. That word received in the original, in the Greek, means to accept. So this was a message that they had accepted, that these Corinthians. And how did they do that? Well, we just saw Romans 1. It's by faith. And if you look at Verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 15, we know it's by faith. But notice he also says, not only you accepted this, but it's wherein you stand. That word stand means to establish. Do you know that what Jesus did is so powerful that not only when you accept that as the payment for your sin, you have a right standing with God, you have the forgiveness of sins, you have a permanent home in heaven that will never change, but you have power in this life to live free. Now, what do I mean free? Free from our three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You do not have to live under the tyranny of your flesh anymore. 
When it tempts you to sin, you, as a believer, do not have to yield to that because of what Jesus did. You know what happens when I'm tempted by my flesh? What do I do? At that moment, I have a choice. I can yield to that temptation or I can say, nope, you know what? Because of what Jesus did, I can yield to God and I don't have to submit to that. Romans 6 talks all about that. You can live free. Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Let me say that again. I love that. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You, as a believer, are free. Let me say that again. Listen to me. You, if you're a believer, are free. And you can choose whether to walk in that or not. And that's an hour-by-hour decision almost, isn't it? You can choose to walk in that because what Jesus did is so powerful, you can walk in that freedom. That's what He means here, wherein you stand, and we as believers can stand in what He's done. We can walk in what He's done for us. So the Corinthians accepted that gospel message Paul preached to them, and it's believing that message that not only saved them, but established them. Look at verse 2. How do we know that the gospel is a saving message? It tells us right here in the passage by which you are saved. It is a the gospel is a saving message. But notice he has what I call a couple of what I call in qualifying statements here. He says, if you keep in memory, and he also says, unless you believed in vain. Let's look at that first one, if you keep in memory. In the original, that keep in memory, the keep there, literally means to hold or to grasp. It's where we get the idea of grasping a concept. So Paul says, this is the gospel that I preach unto you. It's the saving gospel that you accepted and where you stand unless you didn't understand. That's what, Unless you didn't grasp the meaning. You see what I mean? So it's possible to misunderstand the gospel. Let me let me uh, uh, ask you this, speaking of understanding, how many of you understand that 2 plus 2 equals 4? Right? Okay. Most of you. Some of you don't. Um, we, you do understand. Someone taught it to you. Someone taught you the concept you got $2, you got $2 more, you got 4. Someone taught you that. You know it well. You know what? I could stand up here all day and I could never convince you that 2 plus 2 equals 5, could I? No? No, okay. Why? Because it's not true. You understand. In fact, you understand it so well, you can explain it to your children. Right? That's all that word means. Is That's all that word hold means. It's to grasp a concept. And so Paul's saying, this is the gospel that I preached to you that you accepted unless you didn't understand Understanding the gospel message is a prerequisite to believing it. Do you see biblical faith is not a blind leap, therefore? Okay? Let's go on here. He says, unless you didn't understand, but he also says, unless you believed in vain. Let's talk about believing in vain for a minute. That word in the original means to believe without success. In other words, you believe something, you expect a certain outcome, but that outcome's not actually going to happen. That's what believe in vain here means. Well, how does that happen? In relation to believing the God, how do people believe in vain? Three ways. One is to believe with an incorrect purpose. Let me illustrate for you how that happens. Some people say, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fact. It's a historic fact that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again on the third day. 
But that's where it ends. I say it's just history. Right? So just believing it as historical fact. Well, the question is then, what's the purpose for believing the gospel message? It's for salvation. For any other purpose, it's believing in vain. Okay? And just ascending to historical fact is not believing for the purpose of salvation. You understand what I'm saying? The next reason is, the next way uh, believing in vain happens is believing that what Jesus did is not sufficient to say. How does that happen? When you add something to the gospel. You know, there are people today who say, you know what, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin, was buried on the third day he rose from the dead, but I think you've got to be baptized in water also to be saved, to have the forgiveness of sins. What happens when you add something to the gospel? What happens when you add something to the fact that Jesus died on the cross, was buried on the third day he rose from the dead? You, are, you, you put your faith in that which you add to the gospel. That's actually what happens. These people that add baptism to what Jesus did, their faith in H2O and not in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Now let me ask you something about that. If you think you've got to add something to what Jesus did, water baptism is just an example. If you think you've got to add something to what Jesus did, do you think you can improve upon what Jesus did? <coughs> Let me ask you this. Here's the question everybody's got to answer. Listen. Is what Jesus did sufficient for the forgiveness of sins, or is it not? Is His death on the cross enough for salvation, for the forgiveness of sins, or is it not? According to this passage, that's all it takes to be saved. I don't need to add anything to it. Think about that. If I think I can add something to what Jesus did, do you think I can go before God someday and say, God, I improved upon what you did, therefore you owe me heaven? Are you willing to do that? Is what Jesus did sufficient? His death on the cross, His shedding blood, is it, for, is it sufficient for the forgiveness of sins? Let me ask it more personally. Is it sufficient for the forgiveness of your sins? I'm convinced that it is. And there's nothing I can do to improve upon it. Anything I add to it is admitting it's not sufficient. Okay? That's believing in vain. Here's the third way. Putting your faith in an incorrect object. How does that happen? Let me illustrate again. Yeah, I was speaking at a church in, in uh, Berryville, Arkansas, and they were using our book by which we were saved for um, some witnessing training. And one of the men who'd been in the church a long time came to the pastor. A long time he came to the pastor and said, You know what? All my Christian life, I've never had security. And the pastor said, What do you mean? He said, I could never say with confidence that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And the pastor said, Really? Well, you've been faithful. You've come all the time. You've taught Sunday school. And he said, Yeah, I know, but I've just never had that confidence. And the pastor said, Well, tell me more. Why are you bringing this up? And he said, it occurred to me that I thought I was saved because I prayed a prayer. He said, you know, I prayed that sinner's prayer a million times in a million different ways and I never had that confidence in my heart that I was saved. And it occurred to me that my faith was in the fact that I did something and I prayed a prayer instead of my faith being in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. And he said, you know, when I discovered that, and I accepted what Jesus did in it alone, I, I now have that confidence. 
and said, I have that peace. And he was a, he was a, he's an optometrist, and so the pastor said, we have an optometrist who saw the light. You know? And I was like, wow, that is great. But what an illustration. Your faith has got to be in the right place. You know, faith is, uh, we're going to talk about in just a second, faith is always in something. It's not a standalone concept. It always has an object. And the important thing about faith is what you put your faith in, not just that you believe something. What you believe in, what you put your faith in, is the significant thing about faith. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's talk about believing. Look over at Romans chapter 4, verse 3. We're talking about believing in vain. Let's talk about believing. Romans chapter 4. Boy, Paul gives a great teaching on faith here in Romans chapter 4. It is great. If you've never read Romans 4, go read that today. What a fantastic study. Look what he says in verse 3. He's using Abraham as an illustration of faith. He says, for what does the Scripture say? That's always a good question to ask. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That word credited is a, is a commerce term. It's a, a banking sort of term. So when he believed in God's economy, Abraham was credited, his account was credited with righteousness. Verse 20, skip down to verse 20. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. That word faith or believe, when you see that in the New Testament, it's the Greek word pistuo. When you see it in the verb form, to believe, and all that means is to be persuaded that something is true. To be persuaded of something. Not just giving, a, not just merely assenting mentally to something, but you're so persuaded of it that you trust in it. And that's what that word means here. It says, Abraham believed God. Then down in verse 21 it says, and being fully persuaded. That fully persuaded describes or explains believing that's what it means. And that's why I said it earlier, faith, biblical faith, is never a, a blind leap because you understand what you believe in. Okay? Being fully persuaded explains faith. So to actually believe the Gospel means that you're persuaded that it is true because it is true. Look at verse 3. I want to look at the content of the Gospel here real quickly. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Here are the five things, the five pieces of the Gospel, five elements. Who He is, what He did, why I need it, how I get it, and where it's found. That's just a simple way we've come up to remember what's, what, what's the con, what the content of the Gospel is. Let me, let's talk real briefly here what the elements of, about the elements of the Gospel there in verses 3 and 4. The first element is who He is. Paul says there, Christ died for our sins. Let me give you a snapshot of who Jesus is in the Bible. He's the Old Testament prophesied Messiah. He was born of the Virgin, just as the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us. He lived a sinless life while He was on earth. He died physically, bodily on the cross for our sins. He 
physically rose from the dead. He, in fact, it says he died and he was buried. When he was buried, that proved he died. He physically rose from the dead on the third day. He's 100% man and 100% God. He's God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He's the one and only way of salvation. He's coming again someday. In a nutshell, that's who Jesus Christ is. You say, Preston, you're really getting in the woods and the weeds here on who Jesus is. Can't we just give them Jesus and have them believe on Jesus? Well, let's let's test that for a minute. There's a group out in California that believes Jesus is a mushroom, believe it or not. Uh, they've written a book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, Dr. John Allegro. Let's suppose that I'm talking to jo Dr. John Allegro who believes Jesus is a mushroom, okay? And let's say I take that philosophy, let's, let me just give them Jesus, and I say, do you believe in Jesus? He says, yeah, Preston, I believe in Jesus. I say, well, great. Do you have him in your life? He says, yeah, I have him in my life. Now, he's thinking he had him for breakfast. I'm thinking of the Jesus of the Bible. We're not communicating, are we? We can't just say, hey, believe in Jesus and expect they know what we mean. Every person and every religion has a concept of Jesus. But I'm telling you, if it's not the biblical concept of Jesus, they're not really accepting Jesus for who he is. We can't just say believe on Jesus. People, we got to understand. They've got to understand who He is specifically, because everyone's got a viewpoint on who Jesus is. Do you see what I mean? And if they're going to accept Christ, they've got to accept who the Bible says He is. You can't accept the gospel without accepting Jesus as He is, because it says Christ died for our sins. Then what he did and why he did. It says he died for our sins. That word for, man, I love this word. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible because it means on behalf of. When Jesus died, he died in my place. He died in your place. We're the sinners in need of a Savior. You know what a Savior is? It's someone who does something for you that you can't do for yourself. When Jesus died on the cross, he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. What do I mean? When Adam and Eve sinned, they created a debt that we also owe. Why? Because they passed down to us what they had. What did they have after Adam and Eve sinned? They had sin, didn't they? And they passed down to us that sin. When you have children, you did the same thing. You passed down sin to them. And it puts us in debt to God. And the only way that debt is remedied is by what Jesus did and us accepting that by faith. Let me illustrate again for you. How many of you have children? Did you ever have to teach them to sin? Did you? No? Did your parents ever have to teach you to sin? No. Why? Because we inherited that sin from Adam and Eve. And look what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He has made Him to be sin for us. It's that same word that Jesus died for our sins on our behalf. Who knew no sin. Now, how do I get it? Well, we just talked about that. It's by faith. Romans 1.16 tells us. And notice also he says according to the Scriptures where it's found. That's the only thing he says twice. Is where it's, why does he say that in the Gospel message, I wonder? Because he's emphasizing the fact that this is what God says it takes to be saved. This is not from man. It's not from a denomination. This is what God says it takes to be saved. He's stating his authority. Proclaiming the Gospel message this is the responsibility of every believer. If you're a believer, it's your responsibility to share your faith. Now listen, that doesn't mean you have to sit down and go through a 
whole complete explanation of the, the gospel. It may just mean simply presenting a little truth for about a minute. Okay, that counts as witnessing too. Let me ask you something. How many of you know someone in your life that's not a Christian? Just one person. Okay? That one person, here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Pray for them every day this week. Here, pray this specifically. That they'll understand and believe the Gospel. Okay? That they'll understand and believe the Gospel. Here's the next thing I want to challenge you to do. The week after, I want to challenge you to ask them a question. Here's what I want to ask. Here's what I want to challenge you to ask them. Just ask them what they think about the Bible. Or ask them what they think about Jesus. All I'm getting you to do is just start the conversation. You say, but I'm scared to do that. Don't, don't worry about what's going to happen. Don't worry about where it's going to go. Don't worry about that. Just start the conversation. Okay? Start the conversation. Now, did you notice what's not included in the Gospel message here? Did you notice Paul doesn't say anything about getting baptized? He didn't say anything about joining a church? He didn't say anything about doing good deeds. He didn't say anything about going forward in invitation. He didn't say anything about turning over a new leaf. He didn't say anything about asking Jesus into your heart. None of that is included in the Gospel. Why? Because the Gospel is Jesus died for your sins. He was buried on the third day He rose from the dead. And anyone who believes that will have salvation. That's the Gospel message. You know, Hebrews 9.22 says this, without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sins. Don't you love that verse? <laughs> Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You know what's happening here in Hebrews 9.22? Paul is talking about how supreme what Jesus did. No other sacrifice is good enough. That what Jesus did is sufficient. He says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now I want to compare that on the next frame here to some activities that people attribute to getting saved or to having the forgiveness of sins. And there's two related questions here because of Hebrews 9.22 I want to ask about these activities. Let's just take one here. Water baptism. With water baptism, is there the shedding of blood involved in water baptism? No. When you get in our baptistries, there's no blood in the baptistry. There's no... There's, shedding of blood is not involved in water baptism. Since there's no shedding of blood in water baptism, is there then the forgiveness of sins from water baptism? Oh. No. How about this? How about calling on the Lord or asking Jesus into your heart? Is there the shedding of blood involved with that? No. Now let me, uh, let, me, let me say this. If you've done any of these, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying... If you think because you've done one of these you're saved, that's not what the Bible says. Why? Because there's no shedding of blood, therefore there can't be forgiveness of sins. So I'm not even saying these things are necessarily bad. I'm just saying that's not where the forgiveness of sins is. And it's not just me saying it. Hebrews 9.22 says that. How about some of these other activities? How about uh, turning from your sin? People say you've got to repent of your sin to be saved. You got to someone will even say you've got to repent of all of your sin to be saved. You know what that word repent in the New Testament means? It's the Greek word metanoia. It means to change your mind. 
It means to, now here's what it means. When you change your mind, here's what's happening. Here's how you actually repent when you become a believer. Before you became a believer, you believed something that was wrong. Right? Maybe it was works, or maybe it's because you're a good person and you thought you were going to be saved. When you saw that, oh, right, I've got to agree with God that I'm a sinner, that He died for my sins, He was buried on the third day He rose from the dead, I agree with God and I put my faith in that. You changed your mind from believing what was wrong, which includes accepting God's view of you as a sinner, and you accepted what Jesus did for your sin as the payment for your sin. You repented. You see, you changed your mind and accepted what is true. Let me show you how people say you've got to repent of all your sins. How many can remember all your sins from last year? How about from 10 years ago? How about from last week? Can you? Now, you see the point here? If you can't remember all your sins, how can you possibly repent of all of them the way some people do? It's impossible. That's not what it means in the New Testament. Repenting and faith are two sides of the same coin. When I believe the Gospel, I am repenting because I'm changing my mind from what I was believing to accepting what God says. You see? That's what real repentance is. You say, well, what about the good deed? Don't worry about that. God will take care of that in the life of the believer. That has nothing to do with getting saved. Your good deeds. How about this? Confessing your sins. Confessing Christ. Isn't the shedding of blood there? No. Isn't the forgiveness of sins there? No. How about this? The last one here. Jesus' death on the cross. Is there the shedding of blood there? Is there the forgiveness of sins there? Yes. And I will say this. That is the only place where that is. That's it. All you have to do is accept what He's done for you as the payment for your sin. Is it sufficient for the forgiveness of sins or is it not? Everybody alive to answer that question. Is it or is it not? What do you believe? If you don't believe that today, please, I encourage you accept that today and nothing else. And if you do believe that, I encourage you to share that with someone. Let's pray. We are going to have our time invitation. Here's our invitation to you. If Maybe for the first time you realize you're not saved this morning. Well, David's going to be here to receive you. If you're not saved, come take him out. I just want to take talk to you about getting saved and what you need. Maybe you just wanted to pray for you. Cliff will be here as well. I'll be here. Maybe you are saved and you've got that unbelief in your life you want to witness to. You want someone to pray for you. Or you want to just come to the altar and pray, you're welcome to do that. Maybe you'd like to join this church. You're not a member of this church. Come take Dave by the hands of and join the church. Maybe you need to get baptized. You're a believer, but you've never been scripturally baptized. You want to understand more about that? Come take one of the pastors by the end and just tell them that because you want to get baptized. They may just go you. Whatever your need is, as I pray, you come as you need to. And by the way, when we do close the invitation, that's not God. Your invitation from God is not closed. Okay? I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.